0: The world of marketing is ever-changing and can be confusing, frustrating, and outright exhausting. Welcome to Unbottled. The marketing podcast where experts share their experiences, stories, and best practices on online and internet marketing. Featuring Steve Wiedemann, former marketer for Disney, Skechers, and other well-known brands. Break through the hype with real marketing tips from industry leaders. This is Unbottleneck.
1: We are live. Hi, this is Steve Wiedemann, and I'm here today with Alan Blyweiss, SEO consultant. And uh, today we're going to talk shop and uh, digital marketing and get into some fun topics around user experience and its impact on Google and, of course, I'm sure on conversion and conversion rates. And uh, so, Alan, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself?
0: Uh, For those who don't know me yet, I've been involved with internet marketing since 95 Uh, Started with SEO in 2000, continued with web development and web dev management over the years. Shifted into SEO as the primary focus around 2006. Uh, Did my first site audit in late 2006 into 2007, uh, and that became more and more important. Uh, By 2012, that was my primary focus. So since then, uh, site audits, for sustainable SEO success right. uh, training uh, and consulting related to those.
1: So I was going to say, you're, you're kind of known as the audit guy, right? Everybody goes down and when they need an audit, that's uh, amazing. And having personally worked with you, it's, it's incredible how much knowledge transfer there is in the audits. You know, I've, I've seen some audits where someone comes in and they're like, here's, um, uh, here's what's wrong with your websites, fail, mm-hmm. fail, fail. And then the, the, you know, the client's like, what am I supposed to do? What what are the next steps? How should I work with this? And, you know, I've I've seen some of the work that you've done, and you really try to explain it so that they understand why and, and what's important and what it is and how it works and, and, you know, why they failed and and what their next steps are going to be. And I thought that was amazing. So, um, you know, you're you're definitely someone if if anyone is looking to do like an SEO audit, uh, especially on the technical side, um, you're kind of the guy. So thinking about thinking about usability and, and user experience, you know, back in the mid 2000s, back when you started doing audits and um, that was back in the time when I think Aaron Wall and Bruce Clay and Danny Sullivan were, were sort of all the the buzz in our, our industry. Um, and I was writing little ebooks, learning a little bit from everybody and putting it into something that I could understand. And. Um, you know, back, back in those days, we could do pretty much anything to rank a page. I remember with Yahoo, we could, we could throw 50 keywords in the source code and redirect to the homepage if the owner didn't want to put any text on his Flash website. Um, you know, and then Google got smarter and, and users um, had compatibility issues with Flash and other things that we were using back then. So how do you, how do you feel that user experience has um, become and how will it continue to become, you know, a stronger signal?
0: Yeah, so, I, I mean, the first experience I had with SEO was in 2000, 2001, and, and it was the same thing. How many keywords can you put in the... You can know, you stuff on white, there? White text <laughs> on a white background,
1: right? Right. Yeah. Uh, Negative 1,000 margin on your yeah, H1 tag.
0: <laughs> right. Except that never sat well with me. Yeah. Because it felt artificial mm-hmm. right from the beginning, right? Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, so from early on, I I began right or, right away thinking more about well, what is the purpose of all of this? What are we doing this for? What's what's the end goal? Uh, and so, uh, pretty quickly, I started understanding that if this isn't helpful to human beings, there's going to be a problem, uh, mm-hmm. and there's going to be friction, or there's going to be a potential problem for reputation. You know, because the trust issues, the respect issues yeah. that consumers have uh, or business decision makers have uh, and it it never aligned with that kind of methodology, never aligned with my extensive experience coming into SEO right. in providing strong solutions for enterprise, yeah. strong, strong solutions for enterprise uh, far, far greater and beyond SEO has always been about meeting people's needs and, and creating a brand identity that evokes trust that evokes, you know, appreciation. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and eventually I realized that, uh, user experience was really critical to SEO as well from a sustainable perspective. And that was around the time that I did that first thought 2006, 2007, mm-hmm. I was like a business came to us and said, we were on the first page of Google and now we're on the 15th. Yeah. Right. And I, I couldn't just do the things that I normally did. I wanted to figure out why. Right. So I, so I looked at their site and I looked at the competitors who were ranking highly. Uh, and uh, I saw black and white plainest day, Zero trust, zero quality for the human being, you know, complete disorganization of the messaging and of content. Uh, and, and it was just ugly, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I've been an advocate of user experience for SEO going, that, going back that far. And even in my earlier Twitter life, you know, going back to 2010, 2011, yeah. I was communicating and in conferences I was speaking at, that search engine optimization is the attempt by search engines mm-hmm. to emulate human experience. Right. Right. Uh, and so that's where the foundation for me comes in. It's just grown more and more over the years. And Google has gotten on board with messaging with that, where their early days messaging was just write great content. When they meant to say, write high quality content for human being needs, right? Exactly. Uh, exactly. And, and over the, yeah. yeah. Over the years, they just got more and more clear with, what that meant. Uh, and uh, probably around 2010, 2011, uh, I started focusing on what I call the five super signals of SEO. Okay. Uh, and it's an acronym Quart Q U A R T quality, okay. quality, uniqueness, authority, relevance, and trust. Right. Google has since come along and come up with EAT, yep. expertise, authority, and trust. You
1: right? think there's some inspiration there? You think they, uh, they've yeah. been reading along lot. Uh, content?
0: Whether they have or not, the important thing <laughs> is the emphasis is more than ever before on user experience as a core factor across yeah. all the different aspects of SEO. And now Google's taken that even further This past year, they started using speed as an incremental ranking factor in one-on-one matchups. And now they've announced that in 2021, they're going to be using not speed overall, but core aspects of speed, the core web vitals, Mm -hmm. as an even more important ranking consideration. And within that, it's not just about speed. It's about usability within that. So I, that's I, where
1: we're going. I can see that happening. I I always when clients are asking how important is page speed? And you know, for me it's I always always like you, I, I think I try to think like a search engine, right? I'm, I want to provide the most helpful experience. And you know, if we even if we get our page to, you know, to, to be hundreds across the board on Lighthouse, on the Lighthouse extension in Chrome or web page test, if um if the user isn't having a good experience uh because you haven't really solved what their problem is or what their core need is, what's the point? You know, and then I look at I look at art galleries and sites that are selling art who want to have really high definition images, you know, and struggle to to meet some of these core vitals because their their content is so um, high definition. And so I, I remind you know the, the the clients we work with if that's the kind of content the user is expecting to get they know it's going to take a little bit longer to load because that's what they want to see. Um, a site that that loads super fast and has that same art gallery uh, experience might have, you know, pixelated images. They might not get the sale. They may get short-term ranking, but they're not going to get the sale if, if you know, they didn't provide the great experience the user's hoping for. So um, so I think there's the trade-off is, yeah, I think speed is is something we always need to keep working on as a KPI. And I've told I've told our clients, try to... Try to think about speed in terms of patterns. How are we improving every month? How are we chipping away so that every month we're getting a little bit better? Hey, you shaved off point one, you know, and in your your seconds to load. That's fantastic. Just keep working as you know as much as you can at chipping away at it. A couple of years from now, we'll have a lightning fast website. But not all websites are ever going to be lightning fast, like sites that are really, you know, high definition media and entertainment. And, you know, it's just, it just doesn't make sense for the, the brand to be able to do that. And I don't think Google's going to penalize them if if users are finding what they want on those sites, even if it takes a little bit longer to load, right? So. Yeah. So,
0: so this is where the trade-offs and the balance comes in. Right. There are so many components to what SEO means mm-hmm. that not every site, every site owner, every site team can focus on every aspect of SEO today, Right. Uh, and it's determining what's most appropriate for your market, your situation, mm-hmm. your business model, your human market expectation. Yeah. And where you gave a great example, right? Art galleries. Yeah. The The truth, the truth is there are things you can do even as an art gallery. Cause I've worked with some of the world's largest art gallery sites nice. uh, for this, where you can improve initial speed mm-hmm. and yet not prevent your potential customers from accessing that high resolution content. Right. It's just a matter of how you execute the user experience sequence to get there. Sure. That's another, that's a compromised model as well, right? Conversely. Like
1: rendering Yeah,
0: you know, well, pre-rendering or lazy loading of images or having the highest resolution images Only load after a user action. There's all these different ways of going about that, right? Right. You just Uh, have to get creative. Yeah. And then conversely, there's professional services businesses that aren't art galleries. They're not about the visual. They're about the software. They're about the service. They're about the professional offering, right? That have 35-second load times on mobile, right? And, And it's like... Yeah, you know what? We can go. We can go about this incre- incrementally. However, the first increment, you're going to need to make a really big step, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's so amazing. it's it all. It always there's always going to be uh, unique circumstances that we need to consider. Yeah. It's not the same for every site need. Absolutely not.
1: Right. I remember there there um there used to be a really a really bad tug of war between tech and marketing. You know when it pertained to SEO and Um, I remember at at one point sort of having a a shift in how I I look at what's happening in search results when I'm watching Search Console and I'm I'm seeing impressions start to happen. And I'm I'm starting to understand, like, even though we're not we're not showing up for every query, we're still showing up a percentage of the time. And then suddenly we're showing up another percentage of the time. And I started to realize, you know, in looking at the copy and, and how we're designing pages that it really is about user experience. So when someone asked. Um, after, you know, that, that whole sort of mind shift, I said, you know what, there, there is no SEO without UX. Even, even if I can get you to the top of the search results, you're not going to stay there unless you are genuinely providing the best results of those, you know, 10 results that are appearing on page one. And so I've, I've challenged clients and uh, people in, in some of the workshops I do, and even the students in the classes I'm teaching, I'm, I'm telling them, take every page that shows up in the search result print it out, right? print out at least the above the fold on mobile and on desktop, tape it to the wall, then take your page and walk by and ask yourself, how does this page compare to my page? What do yeah. they have that's different, that's more unique? Um, what what words are they using to describe their products and services? As much keyword research as, as we want to do in, in Keyword Planner and SEM Rush and everywhere else, nothing nothing really beats just looking at what's being used on pages that actually already appear. So it's, yeah. uh, it's a fun little um it's a fun little task i think to to get everybody to to think about you know not just how can i make my my page great and rank well but what what is google looking at that's already ranking and what are some attributes that they might find interesting and we've we've even gone as far as doing surveys i remember for 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 jacuzzi one of the things we we did with that brand is we took we took one of their pages and we compared it to lowes and to home depot who were outranking them And we did a Mechanical Turk survey and and we asked, uh, it was like a thousand users that are, you know, based in the U.S. who had, you know, reputable, they had like this little master's criteria or whatever. So we knew that they were were somewhat qualified. And we asked them, "Which, which page would you purchase from and why? And we took all those answers and it took us about a day and a half to go through and theme each of those answers, one by one by one, so that we can come up with, you know, sort of standardized themes. We ran a pivot table. And then we were able to look at which themes were the most common. You know, was it the color of the button? Was it the site took too long to load? And it turned out majority of the, the responses we had, had to do with um, had to do with price transparency. So you know, sometimes user experience isn't just how the site's laid out, it's you know, the experience that they were looking for was to understand how much these things cost. You know, and that was part of their experience. And because they weren't getting that on Jacuzzi, they weren't staying on that page. They're going back to Lowe's and Home Depot and choosing something that had a price associated. So it's it's really fun to sort of do those those studies, those surveys to to really understand how how users are are searching and what their what their sentiment is. And you know, it, it's just fun. It's just for me, it's it's a neat way to, to to geek out and to sort of quantify. As long as you've got a you know, a a reasonable amount of demographical segmentation, you know, when you do that test, it's, it's pretty neat. So have you done anything similar with, uh, with like studies like that for usability?
0: Yeah, I have over the, you know, over all the years that I've been involved with it, I have, and I'm fortunate to be able to work, have been been able to work in my audits, uh, with a number of really good in-house teams that do that kind of survey work. Nice. Uh, and research already, right. Uh, Mm -hmm. And what it comes down to, though, the outcome of what you just described in that survey yeah. and what I found with the surveys that my some of my client teams have been involved with mm-hmm. uh, ties directly into the overall understanding that SEO cannot just be an island into itself, yep. specific to rankings, right? Mm-hmm. If we're not getting conversions on the back end, that's another problem. So conversion optimization is part of the puzzle.
1: Right.
0: We as SEOs can, if we want to be truly helpful to our clients, help them understand that they need to be more helpful. First right. and foremost with SEO, first and foremost, they need to be more helpful in helping the search engines figure it all out. Right. right? And then helping p- potential customers or clients Confirm this is the thing I want to click on in the search results. And then from there, when they get to the site, being able to find what they're looking for. Right. And it's across the full spectrum of that decision journey. Mm -hmm. And that decision journey is either going to be a purchase decision journey or an educational decision journey or an entertainment decision journey or a a combination of those three right? Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about going about SEO this way is one of the ways I get buy-in for some of the things I recommend Mm -hmm. is I explain to my clients, some of this work is specific to SEO. However, it's both, a a lot of the work is not only specific to SEO, all of your visitors are going to benefit from this regardless of where they come from. So the price visibility and transparency is a great example, right. right? Google is finding more and more ways to display more helpful information right in the search results, and Helpfulness.
1: Results, right?
0: right? They want to be more helpful to people doing a search in order for them to be more helpful doing a search uh, in order to help Google and Bing be more helpful to people doing a search. We need to be able to present the content that is more helpful within our own websites And where Google can identify it and understand it and make use of it for their needs. SEO is going to benefit because your information is going to potentially list the price right in the search results, or it's going to list the number of aggregate, you know, number of reviews and aggregate rating, or it's going to list the FAQs on that page right in the search result. Right. Yep. And in order to do that, we need that on the site itself. And the benefit, though, is yeah, that's great for SEO. But everybody who then sees that when they come to the site is going to be better off. They're all going to be helping that much more.
1: Yeah, they get all the information they're looking for. They don't have to dig around. They don't have to click around. Right. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's so important just overall. And you know, I, I think I think a lot of business owners when they start thinking about creating a website, like I just got my. My business license, and I registered my name, and I'm ready to go out in the business world and sell. Oh, I need a website. Well, here's all the stuff I want to talk about on my website. Well, wait a minute. That's that's not how we look at search marketing. In search marketing, we look at what are the people who are buying my product looking for. You know, where are the problems that they're having? Where are the challenges? Um, what are the things they like about the sites that they go to? Let me yeah. build a site that. That instead is a reactive answer to what the the world is looking for, as opposed to what I want to say about my company. And you know, that's that's a shift that I still don't see you know being 100 completed yet. I don't see I don't see um, business owners asking their search marketing companies to build them you know uh, an information architecture or a site map or to you know to teach them you know the importance of taxonomy. You know, it's all just here's what I want on my website. Okay, well, what do your users want on your website? I don't know. That doesn't matter. It's my website. Like, uh, if you want to sell anything, and you want to show up in, in search results, you have to think about what they're looking for and and have solutions for that. You know.
0: Yeah, and and you and you need to take it further, right? The yeah. user experience. Uh, the latest announcement from Google: they're going to start indexing. I'm sorry, they're not going to start indexing. They're going to start presenting search results based on what they're calling passages yeah. within a page. So instead of just showing the full page URL, page title, meta description, and a link to the top of that page in the search results, yeah. they're they're going to start under certain circumstances uh, showing search results that are within a portion of the page, halfway right. down, right? Three quarters of the way down. And it's not a whole lot different than what they're doing now with the FAQ block, right? right
1: and the featured snippet and, and the, the featured features, snippet and now. the and the featured snippet too which is right. amazing yeah. it's
0: another it's another step in that evolution of taking content within a page that's unique to a specific refined search yeah so they because they want to attempt to be more helpful to people doing a search sooner mm-hmm. right? right the challenge with this though is is going to be something we need to observe as it unfolds mm-hmm. If they're they're going to continue to index the whole page, but they're going to show in the result a passage that might be three layers below the fold mm-hmm. for a given search.
1: Right.
0: When I click on that search result, are they going to take me three-quarters of the way down the page, which I think is the only thing that makes sense to match that.
1: That's how they're you, doing it with the featured answer.
0: Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Or is it going to be the top of the page? If they take me three-quarters of the way down the page, there is a concern. And there's been some some observation I've made with featured snippets, but I think it's going to be even more so here. Right. What's the user experience going to be after they get to that page? Is it's it going no to longer
1: be- uh, above the fold? Right. Yeah, it's right. not. Right. And, hap- and, what,
0: and what happens for a site that doesn't have jump links to get back to the top of the page from that section? Yep. How's the human
1: being going to navigate this? Like on their phone forever to get back up to the top. Yeah.
0: Right. So this is this is an unfolding thing that hasn't rolled out yet. They say they're going to roll it out in the, in the near future. Potentially by the end of the year, we'll see what the actual rollout is. Yeah. Uh, and then we're going to have 800 blog posts in the industry saying, here's everything I know I learned, and here's what you should do to maximize for this. And all of that's going to be wild guesses and conjecture. And somebody might – you know, land on the right answers. We're going to need time with this to see how it works over time. You know, right. what 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 makes it work? Is there going to be a way to say don't show this in the search results? Like you can say don't show a snippet, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. there are certain circumstances right now where getting a featured snippet is great. Yet a number of people in the industry, uh, Lily Ray comes to mind, uh, where there's been enough case study work to show that under certain circumstances you don't want to get your, your content in a featured snippet. It turns out to be lower, lower conversion value, right? Right, We're going to need to apply the same concept to this whole Hmm. passages concept. If they give us a tool to prevent that from being, being the
1: outcome. Right. We've, we've tried to, to mitigate against that with, um, with floating CTAs at the, in the footer area on mobile that seems to help a little bit one of our restaurant chains for example didn't have a start order button on their local landing pages which were getting most of the traffic so we mm-hmm. had that that one little start order button um, because we don't know where the user is going to start and because their page was a little bit wonky and how it tried to push them into the uh, loyalty programs and so forth so we said, look if they're going to have a bad experience on the page and they just want to place an order let's just make that place an order button like sticky right there in the bottom so that right. when it's in thumbs reach right so they could just click that one button and done and it made such a huge difference so i think that's going to play a part of it is whatever that action is you want the user to take that should be part of that floating footer for mobile users and desktop you might have to come up with something else that's that's creative uh yeah. we did start to um to build a little bit of a framework Four different style pages based on you know what you'd mentioned that that decision you know uh, that whole journey with with making a purchase and I, I can I can tell you in, in our informational template we started to put together just what you said the jump to links at the top kind of a table of contents yeah. uh, we have a short summary at the top with yeah. a, a a fun little copy to clipboard feature so if you want to share it you can which might help with you know our, our featured answers if we want the featured answer. Informational content. I guess it's not that bad. I definitely wouldn't want that to be on a, you know, a lower funnel page. But then we also, you know, we also put components in there that include rich media and include, you know, breaking up paragraphs with uh, with bullet lists and um, testimonial and things like that. So, um, do you do you have any examples of, of favorite references that you go to? For for that sort of framework, I know Neil Patel had some um, high converting landing page design we used to reference once in a while. But is there a favorite reference that you go to as you as you're putting pages together for mm-hmm. attributes of you know of, of what's a what's a really good sort of foundation for content, or is it all just sort of trial and error?
0: Yeah, so I have I have a number of references I've gathered over the years. Uh, the challenge with that is you know two three four years later all the rules might be different or, or that site might've been overhauled and redesigned without my involvement. Mm -hmm. So I'm not aware that it was different. Right. Screenshot Um, mania. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Screenshot mania. It can get out of control. Right. Uh, Some of my more, some of my more recent uh, reference points come from uh, Cyrus Shepard. Oh yeah. uh, Had done a really good job with what a good product category page can look like. Mm Mm-hmm. With these kind of enhanced helpful features, right? Uh, yeah. So I like to reference that. Uh, and
1: uh, who's the only one that comes... we put some of these links in the comments. I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in and in taking a look and seeing kind of. I yeah. know what I'll do too is I'll I'll put some of my favorite examples here just so people can see and and we'll we'll kind of diagram it out a little bit. I think that would be that would be helpful because when you're creating a page. You're just thinking, I, I got to get the sale, right? And, yeah. and you know, I remember back in the day, we'd actually use like the um, was it lead pages and um, what was uh, there's so many of those little sites that you'd create for just paid landing pages, and the layouts looked really good and they they converted really well, but they were never really good for SEO. Yeah. And um, you know, if we if we figure out how to incorporate a lot of the features that help with conversion while still being able to address search, you know, there there kind of lies the challenge, I think. But um, but those designs were always my favorite to reference. Look how they have the three sort of value propositions right here. Look at yeah. the, the video over to the right and one strong um, call to action button like like the Firefox example where it used to just be one big, you know, download button. Right. That was always my favorite, like conversion experience example. You know, you know what you're supposed to do. You know where to go to do it. And mm-hmm. nothing is distracting you from making that decision. So that that seems to be a big part. But we're just talking about a, a browser download, not purchasing a $500 product, which takes, I mm. you know, think, take a little bit more finesse, right?
0: Yeah. And, and where, where I go further, though, uh, for the majority of my clients where I need to help them with what the functionality is, what the layout look is, right? While I do have references, like I mentioned, Cyrus has one for category pages, those references are only good under certain circumstances as well. And if you're not looking at the top competitors, as you had talked about earlier, go to the top pages that are already ranking now. Look at them. Don't just look at them from a marketer's perspective, from an engineer's perspective. Look at them from that market, target market's perspective. What do you, if you're that consumer, that customer, that client p- potential or prospect, what do you like about each of the top? two, three, five or eight search result pages Mm. for that particular focus and then go and do a different search based on a different persona for that same product or service and see what search results come back. Quite often you're going to find that for one particular persona type at one point in the decision journey, you're going to get the top five or 10 results. And then you're going to, you're going to go ahead and you're going to do a different search for a different persona type or a different point in the decision journey. And you're going to get five or 10 different results. But if you do enough of those, you're going to get some that show up for multiple. Mm
1: -hmm. You start to see a pattern
0: Criteria, and you can start to find patterns about which are the strongest. Right. Right. And now all of a sudden we don't just have a general yeah, this is great. Somebody like Cyrus or anybody who does real, you know, case studies that are legitimate case studies based on a high enough volume, based on actual data, it narrows it down to the industry you're working in. It narrows it down to the market environment that you need to find stronger visibility for in that competitive landscape. And the key is not to just do what everybody in those top results is doing, yeah. is to find out what do I think are the best things they're doing and how can I improve it even more? Mm -hmm. Because I don't just want to do what everybody else is doing. Yeah, I don't want to be even. I want to
1: be better. Yeah. That makes total sense. What are, what are some kind of top mistakes you've seen businesses make from a, from a user experience standpoint that, that you could share some, some that maybe make you want to do that, that whole facepalm thing. Yeah. uh, All
0: right. Well, all right. So, so there there is there's a handful that are the common issues uh the the we have to do this for seo blinders mindset Mm -hmm. that destroys usability
1: yeah
0: right and that covers all different aspects of seo right and all all aspects of usability uh a a great example of that in the real world uh and we have talked talked about this in the past is the concept of Blog content has its place, (laughs) and the moment you put something in a blog environment, with the exception of sites that are purposefully just a blog environment, the moment you have a business that's a product or service business and you start putting really valuable content in a blog... Mm you can get some visibility early on. And then the moment too many other blog posts are added to that index, you're going to be on the third, second page of the third page of your own blog system. So it's going to be lost content Mm -hmm. within access from your own site. Right. right? Uh, And uh, too many sites don't have proper category access to subtopics within the blog. So it's even harder to find the content, right?
1: Yeah, they just get buried.
0: Now, if that content is really important and it's true content today and it's valid today and it's going to be valid six months or a year from now.
1: Page, not a post.
0: Page, not a post. Evergreen, not a blog post, right? Put it in an organized, knowledge-based area of your website. And there's ways, different ways you can do that. There's not one absolute right way. However, it's a page, not a post. It needs to be the same navigational access experience Mm -hmm. today, tomorrow, and six months from now, no matter how much other content you've added, right? So for human beings to find that content, it's more logically findable. And for SEO, it has the same location in the hierarchy, in the taxonomy, in the information architecture, in the in the internal link equity passing, it's it's more stable long term. So that's a true. great example. That's and good, we can really talk true. about we could talk about all these other things that happen, but it's it's the concept of user experience, user experience, user experience.
1: Yeah. We we've been reminding our, our clients and I remember back in the day when WordPress was still kind of a new thing, we did mm-hmm. all of our SEO on posts for that same reason. Our our blog and ping techniques of Of pushing content out through all these different uh, blog aggregators to uh, get a link where they consumed html worked in 2005 and six right and then um and then penguin came along and and you know all these these updates happened and you know that's that's depreciated technique now blog is for what it should be um what's what's trending right now what's what's relevant this moment what's going on with your company um you know who just who just came on tell us about the people and the you know that the culture and what's going on what's what's the national day you know and one of those funny national calendars that you know that we could have a voice in what are the conversations in the industry happening right now that we could have a voice in seasonality what's going on at the holiday those are all great things for the blog but when it comes to how to where to tips advice strategies ideas right. all of that like you said belongs in a in a knowledge taxonomy not in a a blog taxonomy and i think that's that's a really hard concept for some for some reason and um it's now sort of part of our our whole education process as we get through, you know, understanding user behavior a little bit more, and that that does have such a horrible impact if if you put a sales page in a blog post and someone happens to be subscribed in their Feedly account and they're looking at um, what's new and such and such and um, who did what where, and then all of a sudden it's um, new things for sale, five ninety nine. You're like, what? You know, you're like unsubscribe done you know you start losing blog followers because you're trying to sell and posts that are supposed to be informational so um yeah i think that's really it's really interesting and they're right that is a that is one that i see probably the most common you know with just overall user experience that and just making it hard to figure out you know how do i how do i check out without having to fill out you know uh 40 different form fields um that are not all auto completing and why and why do i have to use a regular you know alphabetical keyboard when the field is a number field and i could just have the number keyboard come up instead right? all these little things that that people uh, that webmasters haven't really considered and i remember mm-hmm. i remember being at a conference and amazon pay was there and the the gentleman who was was talking about where amazon was going over over time is they said they envisioned a world where we untether ourselves from our phones and mm-hmm. can purchase and and do the same actions that we do on our phones without having mm-hmm. to actually touch a keyboard And the segue to that to get there is to get to a place where somebody can interact with your website with one hand and to do that, you know, with one hand because we're not driving when we're doing it right. Maybe we're just all going to be one armed one day. I don't know. So um, the idea was that you could tap, 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 submit and be done. And I've noticed that Shopify has has picked up on this and they've done an amazing job. If you ever you ever click on an ad in instagram within like 60 seconds you've made a purchase and you hate yourself but you realize that it's because they made the user experience so simple from the the content to to check out and purchase and now with the shop app available so that you can actually track your package all the way through and it's 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 evolved and it's changed and if other cms systems which is kind of redundant because cms and cms system anyway um other cms's is this um uh, don't don't come up to speed with what shopify is doing i think they're they're going to start losing out and there's going to be a you know a a sort of a monopoly in the e-com space you know as shopify continues to dominate there because i don't see wordpress woocommerce doing anything with that yet i don't see um you know other other platforms really even big commerce you know who we've we've gone back and forth with our own little seo requirements list with and came back with well we're almost here on these things and i'm like Dang! Did I just help them improve their product? <laughs> like, whoops! But um, but that's that's what I see as is, is sort of the the bar right now is, is Shopify's single tap experience. You know, with one hand being able to make a purchase um, because they've they've done a good job with autofill. They've done a good job with um, you know, with integration and SSO. And um, I don't know what's your what's your thought on that?
0: I'm really happy that you went in that direction. <laughs> Because what you've described is reducing friction, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And I talk about it a lot in my audit work and in my training and my consulting.
1: Just killing that friction.
0: Maximi- maximizing for SEO is about reducing friction. You're reducing friction in the crawl, in the, in the, in the discovery process, the crawl process. You need to reduce friction in the index decision sequence. You need to, to reduce friction in Google and Bing's quote, figure it all out when multiple signals conflict with each other, right? Reducing friction for human helpfulness, reducing friction for human need needs matching, right? Mm. Or emotional satisfaction. Right. right? Uh, and, and the shopping process the click-to-buy concept is not specific to SEO. However, it fits with the entire life cycle from the moment you want to have a presence online to the moment you want to close that sale. The more friction in between at any one of those points and then cumulatively across multiple points, the more opportunities you're going to miss out on across all of these. So thank you for doing that, right? And uh, I just want to mention somebody who's who's really good at talking about friction because I need to give them a shout out. And that's Roger Dooley, D-O-O-L-E-Y. He actually wrote a book called Friction, okay? okay. And it's all, it's all about friction in the world and friction in marketing and friction online and friction in the business world, right? Because okay. okay. this is what it really comes down to. Mm-hmm. It's, it's If we're going to make it easier – to get results, we need to reduce friction in every aspect of the experience.
1: Right. Simplicity and transparency, right? It's so many So many people just don't know what they're doing when they're creating a page and they just add too much of what the user doesn't care about and you're just wasting your time and theirs. Right. That makes total you're, sense.
0: You're overwhelming them with too much information, too many, too many choices, right? Too much content that's not organized clearly enough and intuitively enough to get to what mm-hmm. they want, right? or you're, fi- or ultimately you're failing to provide internal link relationships for people to say, Hey, I'm on this page and this is really helpful. If I don't see links to highly related information, I can't know that you've got other information that's going to be even you know, more beneficial or more helpful. Allow me to explore more, allow me to engage more, allow me mm-hmm. to answer more questions that I have. Right. So all of these you can either go too far with overwhelming them or or fall way short in preventing giving them the information Enough. or the functionality of Makes yeah.
1: total sense. What are what are some of your favorite examples when you when you're doing a, a lot of sort of usability comparison and like oh your site's so bad? I gotta give you a good example of what, what would be a better site. Like my, my favorites, I'll tell you, are Starbucks. I, I mm-hmm. love how quick and easy it is to to interact their loyalty programs, genius. Yeah. Um, BJ's Pizza. I've also had an incredible experience with how they use their app and their website yeah. to, you know, to to do. They do really good with online to offline attribution because you bring your phone in and you continue that experience. Um, and then I'd say Domino's. You know, those are yeah. I think some of my top three and how simple and quick and easy and personalized they make that experience. What are what are some of your favorites?
0: It's interesting because the first one that came to my mind was Domino's. Uh-huh. except we need to bring up the fact that Domino's was recently sued successfully for failing mm-hmm. to be a, to provide a proper web accessible site.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The ADA okay? stuff.
0: Right. And, and, and this is where we also need to acknowledge that usability isn't just for who you normally think about as a person going to the site because they're just like you. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and that means that who are the, we need to understand more about who are the people mm-hmm that really make up the potential market that we're trying to reach. And what does that look like? So early on in this, in, in this interview and in this session, I talked about the concept of the search engines attempt to emulate human experience. The search engines are users of that content,
1: right? Yeah. In a way,
0: they're not going to buy your product. They're not going to hire you for your service. Mm -hmm. They're there to take your content and present it to their visitors. Mm -hmm. Yes. So the search engines are a user, we need to accommodate same context. If I can, if I can hear, then you can present audio to me. But what if I can't hear, right? Whether that's because I don't have, because I, I, because I'm I'm deaf or Hmm. because I'm in a work environment and I can't turn on the speakers in my own work environment when I'm doing serious research to spend thousands of dollars, Right visual same concept mm-hmm. right you talked earlier about the one touch with with the shopify with you know with the process of purchase right, right? what about people who can't use a mouse mm-hmm. how do they get around your website web developers and designers love to do all sorts of fancy glitzy fun shiny object things scroll over this and you'll get more information
1: yeah, well, I got is, stuck on a map. I can't move. I can't. I, there's a map feature now. I can't go up or down because I'm scrolling in a map area in an iframe. <laughs> right,
0: and and if I don't have a mouse, I can't do mouse functionality. So yeah. are you thinking about that when you're designing the site, mm-hmm. and understand that you need to respect the fact that now more than ever, if you're not accommodating at least a certain foundational aspect of web accessibility WCAG mm-hmm. guidelines. Yeah, we, you're more vulnerable now than ever before from be, uh, to being sued. It's true. And Kim Krausberg is somebody I go to most most often for this because of her knowledge and expertise with web accessibility. There are a number of people in the industry that are great at it, right? Yeah. It costs it costs essentially it costs a fortune to go 100% compliant to WCAG. Yeah. Right. However, you can go a lot further than most sites go. Sure if you're willing to get past the mindset that we're just going to take a template we found online and use that as our site, right. and we're just going to have a web developer who doesn't communicate with the SEO team or the conversion team or a designer who only looks at the site from their high-speed connection on their $8,000, you know, desktop design platform, right? It's like, let's get everybody talking to each other.
1: Right.
0: And considering That's all of these, everyone factors. in the room, yep. yeah. <laughs> so beyond Dominoes, though, uh, beyond Dominoes, it goes back for me. It goes back again. I don't have a, a standard list. I go to the industry and I do the search, and I say, mm-hmm. "Who are the, who are the top results now?" And sure. what do I? What are they doing? It's the same concept well,
1: of me. the sites of the sites that you use often. What are what are some of your favorites? Or like in terms of, of your experience there, that you just have a really overall good experience.
0: Well, we can talk about single-page apps that work really well, okay? And Uh, those that don't. (laughs) And and those that don't, right? Uh Uh, And and whether they're a single-page app in true technical terms or not, I consider them single-page app, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So Twitter is not uh, just one page, right? But I'm scrolling through my timeline. There's only a few buttons to choose from. Right, it's a really simple user experience for me. Uh, I don't like everything about Twitter. Uh, but Twitter is an interesting case because it's not your typical product or service business. It's an information sharing presence, yes. right? It, it's it's the it's a it's one of twenty first century's answer to. Uh, to the old school social interaction and site environments, you know, the chat chat world. Right. right. Uh, so, so aim from AOL and ICQ chat. And,
1: I remember those days.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yahoo chat and all of those. Right.
1: Oh, I it's still a, have nightmares over that 28 K connection.
0: Shh. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so,
1: crazy.
0: so, so it's for that kind of market. Right. And yeah. uh, Facebook has, has, Facebook and Twitter are always trying to emulate each other in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. Facebook has gotten more annoying with some of the things they rolled out.
1: I haven't used it very often in the last couple of weeks. I've been moving a little bit more to LinkedIn.
0: Yeah. So from from the perspective of a site, it, a news site, right? Because I do a lot of audits for news, right? In uh, oh, you got to
1: deal with a lot of AMP.
0: Yeah, g- general news as well as uh, industry specific news in different industries, right? <laughs> Uh, Mm -hmm. I find the Washington post is a lot more user-friendly and and well-organized than a site like CNN. Okay. Uh, On the mobile, I've gone to app for those. And this is where we also need to understand that there's going to be a certain number of people who come to your site from a mobile device. And yet if you have an app, you can provide a, a, a self-contained user experience that really works for other people who prefer an app environment in mm-hmm. a mobile, right? And, yep. and where I found the app, the Washington Post app, is much more much more pleasing to me than the CNN app, right? Uh, uh, with CNN specifically, I don't know if they're still doing it because it's been months since I, I abandoned their mobile app. Yeah. I had to I in order to use CNN's mobile app I had to go to their reduced functionality version even though oh, I'm, no. I'm on smartphone high speed all that right because uh-huh. because the titles of articles were overlaid on top of images and more than half of them are hard to read cuz you you can't read the letters on top of an image right. right and I'm like I I can't how do I read what the name of this article is right Uh, So it's usability issues, right? Uh, And and this is where we got all these choices now. Do you do standard one HTML for everything? Do you have Mm -hmm. HTML and an app? Do you have a single page app? Uh, Do you have AMP,
1: right? Progressive web uh, app.
0: (laughs) Yeah, progressive web app, right? It's always moved. These things are always changing. Yeah. And there is no one right way for every site. It's going to be industry to industry, who's doing what now? what are they doing well? How can we do better? That's right. what I always come back to That's
1: right how do you how do you keep up with all the changes and trends in in the UX world I know I know there's a few sites out there that push out content. I think conversion Excel does some stuff and there's yeah. a few other sites that, that like to share sort of um, you know uh, user experience improvement and conversion rate optimization are there other blogs that you you follow or Um, is a lot of it just kind of of listening to what's going on in the industry and saying, oh, that's really user experience and kind of pulling it into your own, you know, bucket of of best practice? Or how do you keep up?
0: It's difficult to keep up across the full spectrum. Yeah. Right? Uh, Because the full spectrum for somebody who does strategic audits starts at the server level, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? And system administrator considerations – and goes through all of the different paths that exist for web dev, right? And design trends, right? And usability needs and the search engine continual evolvement of search algorithms and the search results always changing and Constantly. you know and it goes goes through the whole life cycle the whole life cycle of a web presence, right? So the reality is, no, I don't believe any, any one person can keep up with all of that all of the time.
1: Sure.
0: What, what I do, though, what I do is I do my best to follow a handful or generally speaking, a handful of people consistently across those different circumstances. And right. then and then I have other people on the periphery of that. A next layer of people that I check in on once in a while or I pay attention to to see if they're posting something where i can read a headline about what they've posted and identify from that headline that i need to pay attention
1: yeah is there something right? new here is there something i need to to pay attention to here yeah i, I know what you mean or if it's something that you're familiar with you're like yeah i can probably skip this for now and then there's that one feed that comes in you're like no there's no way uh, you bookmark it and and come back to it at the end of the day or whatever you have to do but that article's not going away until i read it yeah I got a few,
0: and and so just as an example of the diversity of spread, right? uh, I follow a number of people on Twitter Mm -hmm. who live in, operate in, and exist at the highest level of uh, web performance. As their own, that's they—they are not SEO; they're web performance people, Mm -hmm. right? So when I want to know what's going on with the direction of web performance. At a higher level than just going to Google PageSpeed Insights, right? Because web performance is much more than just that.
1: Yeah, it's not just speed.
0: I pay attention to them uh, when it comes to HTTPS and security and where that's moving in HTTP two. I have people I follow on Twitter that that's there. These that's are the people library. at the highest level of their industry for those topics, right? Yep.
1: I remember Pierre uh, Bar was was all about the HTTPS Everywhere initiative. Remember the Google I/O, and so I've I've always followed him when it came to, you know, security and, and where we're going with HTTPS. And it was it was tough getting a storage client of ours convinced that HTTPS was important. Um, some somewhere around 2013 or so, and I'm like, yeah. it's time. You you need to convert over. I mean, uh, Google's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. It's like, well, you know, it's going to be a slow connection. And I'm like, only if you're on a server from the 90s. You know, it yeah. should be fine. So, well, hey, I got a lightning round of questions if you're up for uh, it, or yeah. getting near the time, but nothing too crazy or controversial, I promise. Even though I know we've got a lot of those topics on Facebook, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, who who do you feel we should be following in the SEO community right now? You mentioned Lily Ray, of course. Who, by the way, Lily, if you're watching this, congratulations on the Search Engine Land Award. We're super proud of you here and definitely well deserved but who, who who should we follow like maybe say on social media of, of your favorite yeah. SEOs when it comes
0: when it comes to technical SEO uh-huh. Michael sure. King okay Mike King on Twitter Mike King on Facebook yeah. Mike King has been for years at the forefront of technical SEO mm. and where that intersects, with persona understanding and adapting, and and meeting the needs for, for true market visibility from a content perspective, right?
1: Sure. Uh,
0: and top of the list, uh, awesome. as I mentioned, Cyrus Shepard is another one for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, Alita Solis.
1: Yeah, I love What's her SEO SC, FOMO newsletter. So yeah. it's a nice little roundup and curation of all the best sites. I love Every that.
0: Every time I see one of her posts about SEO FOMO, I think in my head SEO MOFO. I
1: do too. I remember the same thing over that. I, that logo will never get out of my head either. So, so
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, so a, a latest, uh, a latest there at the top. Uh, God, trying to think. It, it, the reality is, I in any given moment, I have, like I said, I have so many different people that I follow. Right. It's critical to understand I mentioned earlier there's people I follow on Twitter who who, who are web performance based mm-hmm. not specific to SEO because that's important to me.
1: Yep. Right? So not don't just think there's no, no, no SEO without UX, right?
0: Don't just think about SEO as an the only place you should be paying attention, right? Tim Ash for conversion optimization, great Absolutely. example. Okay?
1: Yep. I love his your baby's ugly. Uh, analogy. That's one of my favorites on these topics. So, yeah. Love Tim Kim, Uh
0: Kim Krausberg for conversion optimization, web accessibility, top of my list. Okay. Uh, God, I follow so many. You know, well, That's cool. That's, so that's many a good people. list. I, I, I literally followed maybe 500 people, but oh 500 God. is a lot, right? So,
1: so. What, um, what are your favorite SEO groups in Facebook or LinkedIn? If somebody who's who's really passionate about search, where it... What groups can they find you in, if any?
0: I don't participate. No. Okay. And the reason the reason I don't is because they get too ugly too often. For I remember
1: seeing a few of those threads. We won't go there. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly I what don't. you're talking about. Yeah. Um, what is one SEO myth that you still see that drives you crazy?
0: Guest blogging. Okay. There's a difference be, there's a difference between guest blogging and being a contributor as a guest on mm-hmm. a legitimate relevant high quality website. Right. Guest blogging okay. can work if you provide the proper level of quality, relevance and user experience for the market you're writing to. Right. Anything okay. else anything else I can get one quality guest presence page. That's going to be more valuable than two hundred guest posts.
1: Yeah. So, well, then when you do that high quality page and you and you're writing on another person's site or another portal, um, do you put a raw equals uh, UGC or do you keep it, or just let them decide?
0: No, if this is this is about that not being the factor. This is about yeah. Here's a website that is a really high quality website internationally, Mm -hmm. nationally, regionally, or locally for the business need Mm -hmm. where their readers are my potential market. Right. And that website is either specific to my industry Mm -hmm. or they have a section on their website already where they talk about these topics. Mm Mm-hmm. And where I can become an expert contributor to their market, to their readers.
1: Which is is also referral traffic for you. Right.
0: And at that point, if the most that I get is a bio link, because that's, that's it. I'm ecstatic. Yeah. Same here. If I don't even get a bio link and it's purely about citation, yeah, maybe citations don't count as much as they used to in SEO, though I think they still have some weight. Enough of those readers are gonna potentially go to Google and search for me. Yep. That's true. Right? And then bonus, if I get a link, whether it's a follow or a no follow, I don't care because it's a link that more people are gonna legitimately want to click on.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I know okay. we're gonna to try to keep keep our, our thing to an hour, but you know what? Yes. Let's just go over and we got a couple more questions. Let's just Let's break the rules a little bit. Um, in your opinion, what's the fastest way to rank a new page in organic search results for a medium competitive keyword? The fastest way to move it to quickly to the top.
0: Take the time to do the research up front to come up with the best possible helpfulness and quality for the human being who's going to come to that page. Love it. Go All from right. there. Go from there and make sure that there is no friction for the search engines attempt to understand that helpfulness.
1: Research, no friction.
0: Make sure, Perfect. make sure that if it's an important page, that you properly link to it from existing strong pages in your existing site. Mm-hmm. Don't just create a new page and leave it there on its own. Orphaned. Yeah. <laughs> if it's if if it's a valuable page, look at other pages that are relevant to that topic. That already exists. That already have strong signals, where you can put a link in the content to that new page. Right.
1: Yeah, internal linking is so important. I, I, I always, uh, it's funny. I have a client who who asks um, sometimes, "Hey, can you help me figure out why uh, one of my pages isn't ranking?" And before you ask, yes, I did link to it from the homepage. Yes. <laughs> so, um, fastest way to rank a listing in Maps, in your opinion. The
0: fastest way to rank a listing in Maps.
1: Yeah, to move up in Google Maps, the three pack. It's your fastest technique for, for, for us, it's, it's really around some, some really hyper local um, yeah. actions like getting local um, and industry sites to mention and, yes. you know, cite those sites. That seems yeah, to I was work. Say, look, wait, so for
0: me, so for me, it's a combination. Okay. you To really get a strong listing earlier and mm-hmm. have it sustainable is to have a strong appropriate page on your own website for that geo target. Okay. Right. And then link to that page from your listing. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, do that outreach for the, and this is, you know, getting an international mention isn't going to be as helpful as getting a hyper local mention in a local business site or, Mm -hmm. you know, consumer site. That's a legitimate, strong, strong, High trust site, absolutely right.
1: Yep, love that. Okay. All right, what is? If you
0: want to go further though, if you want to go further though, be consistent with your NAP across all of your other directory presence.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the center of the of the nucleus in our little local SEO cell. I think is is that data for sure. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think? In your opinion, is the most important landing page SEO focal point? As you're putting your landing page together and you've done your research and there's all these different things you're gonna do. You know, there's the, the title, description, structured markup, headings, subheadings. If you had to pick one thing that was the most important from an SEO standpoint, what would it be?
0: Just one thing I can't.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't. always say the HTML title because that's the first thing the users see before they click on your website.
0: Right. And well, they- well, that's 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 valid to the degree that mm-hmm. it is the first page level identification for human beings who see the title in different places that it shows up and for search engines to say, what is this page about? However, however, you can have the greatest title in the world. Mm-hmm.
1: And your page gets if, sucked
0: if, if, <laughs> if you've got four words of content in 15 pictures, right. when your top competitors have 800, 1000, 1500, 2000 words, mm-hmm. right? So it's, you can't just say, yes, yeah, this one thing. I, yep. I, here, here's where I'll go with it. Cause I was gonna go with this originally, but then you said just one thing. Here's the <laughs> one thing. Here's the okay. one thing. Be consistent across multiple signal points. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Page title, page title, URL, H1, H2 for subtopics below that content. Right? Don't, well, what dilute, if I want to shove
1: 8,000 keywords on my page? I mean, come on. That's don't not gonna dilute.
0: <laughs> well, eventually you're going to dilute the topic. Yeah, no kidding. Okay. You're going to dilute the topic with content that's not relevant. You're going to dilute the content with sidebar boxes about uh, popular posts that have nothing to do with this content. You're going to, you know, all of these dilution factors are another consideration, right? So Mm -hmm. consistency of the message across all of the most important signal sets. Right. That's what I'd say.
1: Here's a controversial one. You mentioned the EAT signals earlier, and I know Lily Ray talks about this all the time uh, as well. Um, and Danny Sullivan came back in a um, in a thread, and he's like, "Look, this EAT thing is just a guideline we give to a third party that we use to try to understand what's a good quality result and what's not. Our our EAT is really kind of off the website. Do you? Um, what's more important with with EAT? Is it on the website or off it?
0: What's more important? What's more important is taking yeah. EAT and converting it to QUART: Quality, uh-huh. Uniqueness, Authority, Relevance, and Trust. Uh-huh. Because EAT is, in fact, just their attempt to help the 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 raters decide. You know, are the is this an expert piece of content? Right. It might be an expert who's written the content, right? And they might have a a, a high qu- authority score. And you might trust them, but if the quality and the uniqueness isn't there, it's useless. Right. If it's not relevant to the specific real long, long, long view goals of the searcher, yeah. it's not really there. So this is why I say quality, uniqueness, authority, relevance, and trust. It's You can't just look at eat and think that's all you got to care about. You're going to sure. miss everything else that's really important on site. Yep. So yes, expertise expertise signals and authority signals and trust signals can be conveyed on site mm-hmm. however if you're not presenting helpfulness at the highest level right you're yeah. gonna miss out if you if you're not creating relevant relationships in topic clusters or topic hubs on the site mm-hmm. you're not being truly helpful for long-term engagement right?
1: Content writing, I get it. Yeah,
0: so so EAT is great, and then we need to go further,
1: Mm -hmm. Mm.
0: especially on site.
1: All right, one more last controversial question Does offline marketing, TV, radio, have an influence on keyword rankings?
0: Yeah, to a certain degree, it does, and here's why. Uh This is where really advanced critical thinking comes into play about what's going on in the world around us. Mm -hmm. Google wants to show people the things they're expecting to find. Right. So if you do enough offline marketing and your brand becomes associated with a certain set of phrases, that's going to influence the kind of phrases people use when they're doing a search. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, it influences your need to consider phrases,
1: right?
0: What are people using in their heads, in their minds and in their emotional process as well for other needs
1: mm-hmm.
0: to use, to describe what they're trying to achieve right. and offline marketing has a strong way of influencing what that looks like
1: it's true now, yeah. We've seen at, that. The same
0: time, at the same time i'll give you another example of why we need to be aware of offline marketing when it comes to seo mm-hmm. what if your your brand creates a message on tv commercials where you come up with a unique word sequence sure and those tv ads reach millions of people. Mm-hmm. And then somebody says, I can't remember the brand. I can't remember the product, but I remember this buzz
1: phrase, remember the slogan, right? Yeah.
0: The moment they go to Google the search or Bing to search it, if you don't have optimized content for SEO for that phrase,
1: right?
0: There's going to be a disconnect.
1: Yep. Now, we have hopefully- an attorney that had that issue and we, we hopefully- add all right. that content on the site.
0: Hopefully the brand will have paid media to cover that where they've got the keywords for that phrase in their AdWords or in their Facebook ads or whatever. But again, you need to realize we've got it. We we can't see all of these channels separate. Yeah. Multi-channel is really important and we need to look at it from every angle.
1: Yeah. The cross-channel and then attribution at at the end of the day too, taking all of all of those different touch points offline online and and trying to make sense of it so that we understand you know that that whole beginning to end you know buyers experience so i yeah. love it well well, alan where where can people find you online if they want to ask you more questions you mentioned twitter you're still active there yeah active.
0: twitter so so twitter is my primary touch point and my my site alanblyweiss.com
1: awesome so this has been Steve Wiedemann and Alan Blyweiss. We're going to wrap this uh, session up and hopefully in the future, we'll do another one and we'll dig a little bit deeper into forensic SEO. I know a few team members here who are just dying to pick your brain for some of your, your favorite technical geeky, uh, SEO stuff that we all love here. Thank you so much for, for taking time today. And, um, I, I guess we'll, we'll see you again in the future when we do another one of these. And, um, I know I'm going to see you on, uh, online in those those crazy groups we're in and we'll talk soon
0: take care of yourself
1: and thanks